You're listening to The Weird Sisters, Harry Potter Reread, Episode 49. On today's show, we discuss Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapters 13, 14, and 15. Hello and welcome to The Weird Sisters. I'm Danielle. And I'm Allison. And today we pick up with a very important and interesting chapter, The Secret Riddle. I'm not really sure what's so secret about it. Yeah, wait. Who is the secret riddle? Uh, I mean, I guess it's Tom. But we knew he was a riddle, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's supposed to be more of a play on, like, the meaning of riddle. That we're unraveling the secret behind Tom Riddle. Maybe. Or his secret magical abilities. I, uh, I guess. Well, anyway, it's time for another lesson with Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And this is a chapter I remember quite a lot of. It's very haunting. I don't know if that's quite the right word. Disturbing? Yeah, well, we definitely get a bit of an insight into the young Voldemort. And can, I mean, and Dumbledore kind of outlines even then the qualities that were of concern. Yeah, I think this provides a valuable look at Voldemort as a person. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, because he's, yeah. Like, Ron and Hermione kind of, or Ron especially, sort of question it too. Like, is this really important like sure it's interesting but why do you actually need to know this well we do sort of learn things about Voldemort's personality that I think become important Mm -hmm. but I just also mean from a storytelling perspective like Voldemort is very much a you know a quote big bad right Mm -hmm. a bit of a nebulous evil (laughs) for us to fight but when you see him as a as a kid who's just sort of a bit disturbing, I think it you know it makes him more of a person and therefore a bit more terrifying. You think it makes him more terrifying? Well, yeah, okay, maybe not to an 8-year-old, but to an <laughs> adult it does. <laughs> because there's some troubled child that if he was only loved might have been different. Well, yes, but, I mean, when you're reading a fantasy book in particular, although this happens in more than just fantasy books, like superhero books, superhero comics and things like this, like, a big bad is just a foil for the protagonist. Mm -hmm. Like, we, it's just, it's just a thing that we need to get the story to where it goes. But But an evil person is more disturbing because it's more relevant to, like, actual life. Hmm. You don't agree? I I mean, I do find it disturbing. Um, I get what you're saying about it. Like, I mean, it's a more fully-fledged character, if nothing else. I mean, this is, right? This is our Batman Begins storyline. <laughs> yes. Um, well, 
Okay, I'm going to... I don't... I apologize for this reference, but have you ever read... And I'm going to get her name wrong, so that's doubly bad. <laughs> but Hannah Arendt, who wrote a book whose title I now cannot remember. <laughs> Crap, what is it called? It, it was about... It was about the Nazis. No. Uh, okay. I'm going to get this right. At least the title. Sorry. I have to know. Say it. Oh. It was her, well, she wrote several things. But the thing that she's probably most famous for and that I read, it's called Eichmann in Jerusalem, a report on the banality of evil. No. What? Okay. <laughs> um, you know how you're in college and everyone says they have, you know, some books or something that affected them? This is that book for me. So sorry for the slight detour, but if you're interested, look it up. So she's she wrote this book out of the trials that later took place in Jerusalem over um, Nazi, you know, administrators, participants, things like that. Mm -hmm. And in particular, this is about this Eichmann guy who and she paints a picture of him that is incredibly disturbing by how unevil he seems. He just seems a little stupid, frankly. And that's why it's called the banality of yeah. evil, right? About how, you know, especially, I mean, obviously Nazi, like you can't get much more hyperbolic than Nazi, right? right? But he's not, he's not, he doesn't think of himself as evil. He doesn't, he's not a masochist. He doesn't enjoy suffering and pain. He doesn't even particularly hate Jews, but he was in charge of these death camps, right? And she talks, I mean, she talks about, I mean, it's complicated, blah, 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 blah. But the, the, the normalcy with which she paints this evil is what's terrifying about it. And I guess that is a little bit what I'm talking about with, like, child Voldemort. Like, the normalcy that will grow up to, you know, be the big bad is what's, is what's terrifying. But I, I find him fairly abnormal i mean it's not right and dumbledore has a good line about it like did i know at the time that he grew up to be like the evil one of our world no like but you know he kind of maybe has some of these tendencies that other children might have or flirt with but it's much more extreme already and planful and manipulative and conniving and all of those things so I don't like yeah there's a, a normalcy in the fact that he's like this little orphan boy they also kind of at times you have you know Harry has this familiarity towards him but yet this scene makes him very distinct from Harry or from other children mostly too sure i mean he's definitely if you're if you if he wasn't an orphan as a parent you'd definitely be worried yeah <laughs> but you know it doesn't i guess i'm saying it doesn't have to turn out that way you know what i mean he's not he's not perp he's not perpetrating like catastrophic evil right now right now he's a kid who's angry and has some power and thus uses but what? it you know like, what would have changed this course for him okay so see that's an interesting so we haven't actually talked about anything that actually <laughs> happened yet but whatever 
maybe sort of related to what you're asking. I was kind of wondering, is JK saying either in this chapter or like in the series as a whole, is there any sort of comment on nature versus nurture here? Mm-hmm. Well, and like, and is there an inevitability about it? Yeah. I mean, but yet, wherever there's that famous line somewhere, too, like, it's about the choices that we make, right? That's another Dumbledore line somewhere. Um, and yes. so, again, if we, as we're so often comparing Harry and Voldemort, like, right, we have some similar qualities, we have some transfer of powers, we are marked as equals, but yet Harry makes different choices so why i mean and you could argue that they had somewhat similar upbringings of being unloved and picked on and what have you that's a good point actually but harry is different i mean but he doesn't like because he doesn't even really know about his parents sacrifice until later he just knows his parents are dead Mm mm-hmm yeah. You know, and like and the way he responds to this new this like world-changing news that oh by the way you're a wizard, right? Is very different. Like Harry's like kind of skeptical but curious but in disbelief and then goes and pals around with Hagrid dying in alley. And Voldemort's like, "Yeah, I knew it. Mm-hmm. I knew I was special." And you better prove it, and I can do it on my own, and whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Although I wonder if all of this, all of this difference hinges on just like, like maybe they made some small differences of decision as little children that just like keep going, right? Like in some ways, maybe we can thank Dudley for this. Like Harry is under Dudley's thumb (laughs) in a sense when he's with the Dursleys and he feels scared and oppressed and he hasn't discovered his powers as a means to fight Mm -hmm. Dudley right so he has this like like unassuming I'm not important can I really be a Mm -hmm. wizard sort of thing whereas let's suppose Voldemort you know experiences a lot of the same feelings and circumstances as Harry but you know, by chance or because he's, you know, has innate talent, discovers that actually he doesn't have to live under the thumb of that older boy at the orphanage or anything. And he, you know, he does it once or twice. And then that just becomes the way he responds. You know what I mean? Yep. Not saying that he, like, gets a free pass for all of his choices ever after, but, like, but that that a small thing can, like, set the course of your life, which is terrifying. Sure. Okay. I'm, I see that. I would tend to agree with it. But, you know, the other side of that is, I mean, Harry had several, in, you know, incidents of his magical powers to his benefit. Now, I feel like you're arguing that his overall demeanor sort of pushed those down from becoming authoritarian. But yet he he could have, like, 
he could have seen that and used that and harnessed it in the same way that Tom does. But he doesn't. Maybe he's just slower than Tom is. Which I think he probably is to a certain degree. Like Dumbledore does comment that it's unusual that not only has he discovered it, but he has he has gained control by but himself. Isn't it I think that's more commentary on Tom's intention. Like it's not like, oh, I just happen to have control of it. It's like, ooh, I see this possibility and now I am going to very persistently try to use that to my advantage. Well, he definitely does that. You're right. I, I guess I also think that he he pairs intention with talent, yeah. right? A he's obviously a very talented wizard. He if he was if he was Neville, <laughs> he probably couldn't have done that as a seven year old or something. You know. Yeah. Of course, then you can talk about why Neville's the way Neville is. But I mean, there's also what's the yeah. Um, oh, he asks. Like, about his mother. He's like, because, well, she should have been able to save herself. Like, there's already this level of superiority, you know? Like, he doesn't want to, like, if you can't mm -hmm. use this to your advantage, then what are you doing? Yeah, that's true. Okay, so as we actually go through what actually happens in the chapter... Well, we didn't have a satisfactory answer to what would have changed his oh. course. Oh. What would have changed his course? A therapist? <laughs> I think he needed a girlfriend. That's what he needed. A girlfriend? Yes. You don't think he would have been a terrible boyfriend? Well, he needs someone, he needs someone to just, like, throw herself at him. I think that would be very dangerous for said girlfriend. No. Maybe he needed a dog. Unconditional love. I think he would have tortured the dog. Well, I think he's going to torture the girlfriend too. No, he's not. <laughs> you get him at the I right mean, age. Part of this, well, let's... Well, let's... Okay, at the, we start the chapter with a vision of who, his mother, <laughs> whose name we haven't figured out how to pronounce yet. <laughs> I mean, this could have changed his course if he had, obviously, a different... Like, if he's not an orphan, I don't think this happens, right? Or potentially. If, if she, if she, At least if she lived and perhaps she wasn't abused her entire life, this doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't know if she would have been a strong asset for him. No. But, I mean, we can talk about this again like harry feels appalled that she doesn't even lift her wand to save herself because dumbledore speculates that she stopped using or became incapable of using magic after tom left her yeah right that she would just abandon her son when you know his mother died to save him yeah but my choice was yeah harry but really in her circumstance it would take a pretty extraordinary person to do something else Oh, yeah. Right. right. Because she's been treated like crap her entire life. Right. And it was in, like, now has lost Tom and all that. Yeah. She made one move for herself, which was, to, which was a dumb, <laughs> to drug the muggle and run away. And that didn't turn out so well. Yeah. 
But anyway, we see her pawning her locket when she's heavily mm-hmm. pregnant. She gets duped. Yeah. Ten galleons for an heirloom of Slytherin. And then, so that that's the memory of one of the founders of Borgen yeah, and Burke. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember which one. And then we go into Dumbledore's memory. And in Dumbledore's memory, he's wearing a purple suit, which I found amusing. <laughs> Wait, and what? Uh, where are we? Oh, he's. this is him going to the orphanage. Yeah, we, we also have all of these conversations yes. about how do the muggle-born children find out about all of the important things you have to know, who comes and explains their letter. So how come Dumbledore went to Tom? How come your man and the bowler hat didn't go to Tom? <laughs> well, Dumbledore isn't the Dumbledore at this point, right? He's not headmaster. He's a teacher. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm 90% sure he's just a teacher at this point. So he's... he. All the teachers get sent out to tell them? I don't know. We're going to just say yes. Okay. That makes us feel better that everyone's being cared okay. for. And so he talks to the head orphanage lady. Yeah, except he's not very convincing. He, like, doesn't have answers for her questions. So he just hexes her. You wanted to... Well, yes. Hex is a bit of... Implies a malicious tone. She's very pleased to be getting rid of him. Yeah, but she wasn't... She was... Suspicious at first. And he barely... I want... Like, how else... What what was his other plan? I guess maybe you don't need another plan if you're a wizard. It's like... Didn't you think this through? What were you going to say? I mean, I think he was either going with she's an idiot or we're going to do a little wand waving. Yes, you're right. You don't need another plan if you're a wizard. That is the plan. (laughs) Must be nice. Yeah. She relates that, yes, Tom was actually born at the orphanage. His mother died shortly after birth. Um, although she was very clear about the name mm-hmm. that she that Tom was to have, mm-hmm. and then Dumbledore says, "Oh, I'm going to take him away to my special school. Here's this blank sheet of paper. You'll see that everything's in order." <laughs> um, but then after being promised that nothing she said would change the fact that he was in this school, lets us in on her suspicions about Tom. Yeah. I mean, she can't really explain it, but she knows he terrorizes the children. Yes. There's an incident hanging a rabbit, which is terrible. Yeah, from the rafters or something. Oh, yeah. Then the cave. And then there's an illusion, the cave, that on a trip, two children went into a cave with him and they haven't been right since. What that means, I don't know. Yeah, what? I mean, obviously that's the cave we will return to. Oh, 
Yes, you're right. I forgot that while reading yes. this. But that's our cave where we stash the horror yeah. locket. See, but this is, I mean, this is not normal child behavior. Like where you go and no. do evil things in caves to children. I mean, children can be mean. <laughs> they just usually don't have magic powers. Yeah, but it, it's so thought out. Like, I don't... Yeah. Maybe, like, in a few years, there starts to be a little bit of that manipulation intentionally. But, you know, he's doing this at, what, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, where he's not just accidentally saying something that hurts someone else's feelings. He's torturing children. Yeah, it doesn't help that he's smart either, you know? If maybe he was a little dumber, <laughs> he wouldn't be quite so evil. It's possible. When you're smarter than the other kids and you have more power than them, yeah, it it's yeah. not great. So after getting this warning, Dumbledore goes to talk to Tom. And yeah, he doesn't interact with Dumbledore like a normal child, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's... Like, he almost bosses him around. Or tries to. Yeah, there's a weird little line in there where... I forget exactly what he wants to know the truth about, but he's talking to Dumbledore and he gets upset and forceful and says, tell me the truth. And the way it was written, it made me wonder, is he try attempting to exert some sort of magical power oh. on Dumbledore and then is more impressed when it doesn't work? I don't know if he has that kind of power yet. <laughs> I know. I thought it was ambiguous. I'm not sure if he was just expecting Tim to obey, like, from the force of his personality, or if he was actually trying to compel him. But I just, I, I, I remember thinking this on other read-throughs, too. Oh, it's always stuck out to me. I never thought that. I, I mean, I, this is the tactic he uses with other people, right? To sort of intimidate them. I think it's more about that. Well, he was worried at first. It easily could be. Like he was a doctor and they're going to send him away or something. I think, yes. To the asylum. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I guess he gains little respect for Dumbledore when he's, you know, not intimidated by him, I guess. But when he, Dumbledore lets him know, like we said, when he, that he's a wizard and it's magic school, he is very ready to believe it, right? I knew I was different and yeah. special. Not so humble, is he? <laughs> no. No. He, that is definitely one of his things, is he craves being a part and being yes. unique. He also demands that Dumbledore prove to him that Dumbledore is a wizard. 
Like, the guy's wearing a purple suit. What more do you want? Well, yeah. And why? He's either crazy or what he's saying is right and it explains you. So, what do you expect? Yeah. Yeah. And Dumbledore obliges rather dramatically. Perhaps hoping to put him in his place a little bit. I don't know. Well, and there's like this commentary too. Like Harry keeps expecting Dumbledore to behave in a certain way, and then he doesn't. Yeah. Is that just because Dumbledore is dealing with Tom differently because he knows he's a very different How could child? He know he's a different child. I don't know. Well, different than how you deal with Harry. Yeah, but he's also I mean. just met him. Yeah. Well, Dumbledore lights the wardrobe <laughs> on fire <laughs> with all of his stuff in it. Right. And then when he extinguishes it, he lets Tom know that, oh, yeah, this box of stuff in your wardrobe, does that belong to you? I don't think so. Yeah, and then, like, makes him give back all the trinkets and lays on the stern warning about this behavior is not tolerated at Hogwarts. Again, they have, it's like a weird parental role, too. Like, you have to teach them their morality, which they clearly failed with Tom. Mm hmm. Yeah, and Tom is not embarrassed by this. I would say maybe he's a little impressed. And he follows through because that seems to be the thing to do in this situation. But not because Dumbledore has made him feel remorse. Dumbledore, and this seems like a weird thing to tell to a child, but he tells him that, oh, by the way, we have laws. You better obey our laws. Well, he's already breaking up. That's not a normal thing. (laughs) You know, threaten him with juvie, I guess. I don't know. Uh, So then, I mean, Dumbledore hands over the money from the... Apparently there's a fund for people who can't afford these things. That's nice to know. Yes. Um... For his for buying his things at Diagon Alley, and he doesn't want to go with Dumbledore. Yeah. He wants to go by himself. And again, Harry's surprised that Dumbledore says, "All oh, right." No. <laughs> well, he's like, "Well, I go, I go, you know, in London all the time by myself. I got this." Like, I don't, you know, how he doesn't have a wand. He can't tap the bricks. I don't know. Maybe I magic Tom, fingers enough. The innkeeper doesn't. Oh. Yeah, well, why does he let him go? I guess he probably believes him. He doesn't think that something bad is going to happen to him. He doesn't think he's incompetent. Maybe he just doesn't want to spend time with the little brat. (laughs) He's just creeped out. (laughs) Or maybe he thinks he'll fail. Then he'll put him in his place. Maybe. Um, Oh, but when talking about Diagon Alley and... Tom, the barkeep. Like, 
she, you know, he mentions that his name is Tom and Voldemort makes his distaste for the name Tom known because he says there are a lot of Toms. Again, wanting yeah, to be special. Already. Like who who thinks like that? It's a child. <laughs> well, he he did, you know, start calling himself Lord Voldemort in school. That's really weird. It's only a few years later. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> it is weird. It's a weird pretentious thing well, to do. Half-blood prince, but whatever. And then she asks, he, this is where he also declares that his mother couldn't have been magic because she died. So it must have been his father. Wrong. Because Dumbledore answers the question... Yeah, which is wrong, obviously. But Dumbledore answers the question, I think, honestly, at this point, he asks, was my father a wizard? And he says, I don't know. And I think at this point, he doesn't know. He probably doesn't know who his father is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? But he doesn't say anything when he says, my mother couldn't have been, couldn't have been magic. Does Dumbledore know that his mother was magic and doesn't say anything or not? Um, I don't know. Is there like some wizard birth registry? Well, I mean, he says his name has been down since birth. So that means one of two things to me. It either means down since birth because they have some way of knowing when magical people (laughs) give birth. Or down since birth because they have some way of knowing when a magic well, baby we is born. Well, we talked about this. Well, we've always talked conclusion. about, like, <laughs> there's that thing with the quill and the book about Hogwarts, and so, you know, and oh yeah, and Neville was, took a while, but McGonagall moved her blanket or something. Oh, that's right. So it's a it's a system that knows when a magic when magic yes. presents itself, basically. And if he's been down since birth, he was obviously yes. a McGonagall sort of situation. Yes, strong magic. Okay, so maybe Dumbledore at this point doesn't actually know. Yeah, seems unlike Dumbledore not to know, but why would he? I mean, isn't okay. So, what's the at this point? Is there a broader history of the Gaunts because they were this important family? Obviously, they fell a little bit into squalor and the outskirts, but yet, if they were sort of the last lines then wouldn't there be some notice like, oh, by the way, you know, they've died and she's run off and she's died or whatever? Yeah, you know, I think my guess is that information wouldn't be impossible to find. But the question is, like, did I jump up and slap you in the face when you heard there was an orphan boy in the, you know, who is magical? Probably not. All right. Um. Um. Oh, and then Voldemort also reveals that he can speak to snakes. Right. Which, you know, is not 
normal but not unheard of. Yes. So then we exit the memory and we sort of have a recap with Harry. <laughs> hope you're not it's too like, sleepy. Harry, hope you're paying attention. Yeah. This is what you should have taken from this. Yes. Well, and right, this is his comment. As I said, you know, I didn't know that he was going to be this evil person, but there were things that were already of concern. Like he's using magic to intentionally control mm-hmm. people, to manipulate them, to frighten them, to punish them. That's not normal. Right. And this tendency to be secretive and to be cruel and to like domination. <laughs> not good. Yeah. Doesn't like to be ordinary. Doesn't like to be Tom. He also has a line that, you know, he's. I don't think Voldemort has ever had a friend. Right, that's why he ever wanted one. Girlfriend. Someone just to like come up. (laughs) But if he's never even wanted one, maybe a girlfriend is not what he needed. Girl had to just like throw herself at him and distract him, and then he learned to like it. But yes, very, very isolationist. Okay. I am i don't think this is how you cure so- sociopaths. You don't give them a girlfriend. But if you, sure, I'm no psychiatrist. Um, and he also points out that he yes. likes to collect trophies. Because that box of stuff wasn't just, ooh, neat stuff I stole from kids. Right. It was like when I did a particularly good bit of magic or cruel thing yeah so obviously that's gonna come up (laughs) so i mean that's i kind of love that chapter which is a weird thing to say yeah but i think it's very good like those things i mean they do come back around obviously like it makes the horcruxes make a lot more sense you know, just what he chooses and why mm-hmm. he likes to distinguish himself and, you know, wants to be all of these things. And the friendlessness, right? That's the anti-Harry. Harry's got his friends and likes people. Mm-hmm. And I think later on we will find Harry, when he's trying to hunt down the Horcruxes, yeah. trying to think like Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And use what Dumbledore has shown him. But say, anyway, we're going to much. Actually, really, sorry, go ahead. I know we always hate the movie, but I'm curious to see the movie because I have distinct images from the movie that I actually thought were ex- not quite right in the movie. But now, as I'm reading the book, I'm like, wait, that's actually what is in the movie. Like this scene is pretty accurate in the movie, and I think. <laughs> pretty good this uh, the scene coming up with Hermione and the birds is in the movie and so like I'm I'm actually curious and cautiously optimistic yeah well as we've discussed before there I feel like there are less things that are happening so maybe we'll feel like fewer things get cut out but anyway we got a while before we get there but Move on to a much more lighthearted mm-hmm. chapter. Felix mm-hmm. Felicious. 
And we're talking about the slug club again. Yes. Hermione is relaying that actually she quite enjoyed the last meeting of the slug club. There was the famous person from the Hollyhead Harpies there. What is that? A, a musical group? No, I think it's it's a Quidditch okay. team. Why would Hermione like that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. She d- she wasn't particularly impressed. She thought it was she was a bit full of herself. She oh, was just commenting oh, okay. that she was there. <laughs> no, Hermione wasn't all that impressed with that. She liked the good food, basically. And of course, of course, this is annoying Ron, right? Because he's left out. And he makes some snide comment about, oh, she's talking about how he obsesses over McLagan because he's very well oh, connected. Yeah. And Ron makes some comment about, well, she should just hook up with McLagan and they can be like king and queen of the slug club together. Oh, yes. <clears throat> yes, yes. This comment perhaps setting in motion all of the things that are to come. <laughs> Yeah, well, then Hermione was like, well, I was going to invite you, but maybe I won't if you don't want to come. Yes. Like the final part party, they mm-hmm. can invite a guest. Now, Herm- now it seems like things are going to be okay because Ron seems taken aback, but pleased that Hermione said he was, she was mm-hmm. inviting him. Not that he really and they sort accepts. Of- well, it's implied that he does later. Yeah. He even says he does when he's defending himself. Yeah. But so then they have a few days of like, of peace between them. Yeah, but I mean, there's also, there's a lot of internal dialogue too. Like, and it's, I don't know. I'm, I hope I didn't miss this when reading things the first time because there can be no doubts at this point about the future pairings that are going to occur (laughs) right (laughs) and harry like is even like oh i guess i knew it was going to happen sometime you know we have a boy girl friend club it was probably going to happen i hope it doesn't get awkward when they break up on the other hand if they don't break up like I guess that would be okay, maybe, or it's weird, you know. And then uh-huh. he's having all these, like, weird Ginny thoughts and, yeah, all sorts of teen angst. Yeah. Yeah, and I was a little bit like, really, Harry? You knew this was going to happen? Like, I get, obviously, he's very familiar with the two of them. But I, he's not that strong in picking up on such signals. Yeah, yeah. I- I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's better when it's, it doesn't involve him. <laughs> he can see uh-huh. better. So yeah, and they so then he also runs into Dean and Ginny, you know, trading spit. Right. In the hallway. Yeah. And he gets quite upset about this. Yeah, the she keeps Referring to it as, like, the beast within or something roaring in Harry's chest. Yes. Yes, I guess. Is that the polite way to describe teenage horniness? I don't know. 
Well, it's also, I mean, and he, like, tries to play it off, like, oh, I have a brotherly, protective quality towards her, and this is how any brother would feel, except I want to touch you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, except if it was me making out with you, it'd be fine. Yeah, Yeah, apparently he, well, J.K. Rowling has been dropping hints for the reader throughout this book. He has picked up on none of these hints about how how he feels. Well, it's it's Ron's sister. He does have this love, you know, like line in the sand kind of thing. I know. And this is very much a trope that's used in fiction of all sorts that like you don't realize your true feelings for someone. But is that a thing that happens in real life? Are you ever secretly in love with someone and you don't even know it? I think it's true that, like, you know it, but you don't admit it to yourself. Because if you try not to admit it to yourself, then that thing can't be true. Like, you... That's totally a thing. You just justify and deny. Yeah. Whatever feelings come up. That's a thing. I guess. Perhaps I'm just more honest with myself. Well, good for you. <laughs> yes. Uh, may lie to others, but not myself. Um. Oh, but then we finally get some Quidditch. Mm-hmm. They're, they're looking okay, except for Ron. He's not so good. Oh, oh wait, sorry. Okay, back up. But, but... When we burst in upon Dean and and Ginny, 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 sorry, Ginny, like the alcohol, um, snogging, you know, Ron throws a fit and she is like, you know, shut shut the bleep up, Ron, right? And she's vicious (laughs) to him, basically saying, just because you've never done it doesn't mean it's any of your business what I do. Oh, yes. And, yeah, like, that's the reason he's so uptight about it. And Harry's snogged Cho, and Hermione has snogged Victor Crumb. So. Oh. She doesn't know that right now she's ruining Hermione's <laughs> life by saying that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he is in high you know he's stomping around he's aggressive he's angry at everyone no one likes to be called out like that (laughs) by their little sister jenny is so awesome and like she's just especially in these there's several incidents in these chapters of her just being like no holds bar and i don't know what's the uh, appropriate terminology that I can say here, but I like it. Yes. Because now she finally has a bit of a personality, right? So, I mean, not only is he annoyed, obviously, that what she said is true. (laughs) That's always inconvenient. Um, But now it, it has apparently not really occurred to him that Hermione was making out with Victor Crumb. And so now his jealousy, he's, you know, both humiliated and angry and jealous. And of course takes us out on Hermione, who has no idea why any of this is <laughs> yeah, happening. It seems like 
Perry could have told her, but. Well, yeah. he thinks about it. But he's, I think he's a little too scared to do that. <laughs> yeah, so Harry's in the middle trying to spend time with both of them who are now mm-hmm. avoiding each other. Being quite intolerable. Yes. And we don't have a scene of them together until the morning of the Quidditch game. When Harry is quite concerned about Ron because his aggressiveness is not improving his confidence on the no, Quidditch field. still sucks. He sucks. He's being terrible at practice mm-hmm. to everybody. Mm-hmm. And he says that he's going to quit after this right. game. So Harry just, you know, does a little... This is kind of clever on Harry's part. He's like manipulating emotions. He's not, mm-hmm. again... Not always keen to these things. So he gets Hermione to rat about, right? No, she's going to call him out. And gets in Ron's head. That he's had Felix Delicious. Of course, when you're reading it the first time, like, if you realize what he might be doing, you probably think it's true. Because there are these sort of happenstance things that happen for their benefit. Yeah. The Slytherin chaser is out and Malfoy is out. Yeah, as the reader, you she she doesn't let you in on the secret, even though you're inside Harry's head. Yeah, and they do well. Yes. Ron does spectacularly. He saves everything. And they win, of course. Weasley is our king. Yes. Uh, And they win. Everything's very exciting. And then... Wait, when does this happen? Oh, and then in the after party, of course, we find Ron... Just eating Lavender's face off. Well, yep. In front of everyone. <laughs> you know. Because isn't that's what it's really about, right? In front of right, everyone. That's what he gave Ginny a hard time about. It's not even yeah. so much about the kissing. Well. Yeah, it's not about the kissing. It's about the in front of everyone and in front of Hermione. Well, yeah. He, you know, just wanted everyone to know that he can snog too. Well, there's also like there's. There's that terrible scene, yeah. like, Harry thought everything was going to be better when he revealed his trickery, but it was worse, because Hermione doubted Ron's ability, and was angry at Harry for lying, and then Ron was angry at Hermione, it was just, it even went further downhill. Yeah. Because, of course, he still hasn't, you know, not that he should be this angry about Hermione kissing Crumb, but he still hasn't no, said that to her. To someone. Well, okay, I agree you should keep your mouth shut if you're jealous, but you should also not act like it. So he chooses to act like a jerk and not even tell her why he's acting yes. like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. 
I do love Ron, but this is one of his foibles. <laughs> Which I think in this next chapter, as Luna points out, Ron can be a bit unkind sometimes. <laughs> not, yeah, he's not trying to be. It's just... I mean, well, he's trying like... to be. It, it happens sort of out of this, unconsciously, out of your inner anger and issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a self-defensive yeah. hurting of other people. But anyway, our final chapter. Oh, wait. I'm oh, sorry. So anyway, Hermione runs out when she sees this kissing. Harry dutifully mm-hmm. follows, follows her. And of course, in bursts Lavender and Ron looking for a more quiet place to get it on. And then we have the famous yes. bird attack by Hermione. She was upset. Well, yeah, and now Ron can't pretend that he doesn't know that Hermione's upset. Yeah, but does he know why? He knows why, because I think in this next, it's in the next chapter that Ron's always defending himself oh, to yeah. Harry, and Harry's just keeping his mouth shut. He's like, "Well, she can't say anything. She kissed Crumb. She kissed Crumb. That was she two kissed years Crumb." Ago. Yeah, that's, yeah, he keeps repeating. That's his justification. So he knows why she's upset. So he gets, he gets to have it both ways, right? Is he gets to feel special now that obviously Hermione does care. And he gets to make out with Lavender. <laughs> well, good for Ron. <laughs> I suppose. I don't this know. This is his moment in the limelight. Oh. E- yes. I suppose. I don't think people are very impressed with well, his behavior. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't realize that. Um, so then our final chapter, The Unbreakable Vow, begins with more teenagerly, I don't know, misadventures. Yeah. Hermione lets Harry know that the girls are plotting to slip him love potions. Well, they all want to go to the party with him. Yes. And... Like their plot, they're trying to kiss him under the mistletoe and all this. And I was thinking, if this was James, he would be all about it. Maybe. And why isn't Harry exactly all about this? Because he has some self-respect. <laughs> well, okay. But... I mean, he's a human being, and he's a teenage boy. He's not at least a little flattered that he's suddenly a hot commodity and that he's suddenly very attractive. because he's always been the object of people's fascination. People have always talked about him when he walks by and, and whispered and looked and gaped and all of that, and that's always been a negative thing for him. So this is just a... An extension of it like you know they don't like me for me they like me because I'm the chosen one <laughs> well it's a very mature attitude I'll give him that well but he's also very upset by this because 
it just goes into all his conspiracy theories about how can they be getting these illicit substances into the building that's supposed to be so secure. Certainly then Malfoy is bringing illicit substances into the building undetected. Yeah. Yep. Neither Ron or Hermione are interested in that line of reasoning. But yes, it does raise his suspicion. Um, But then it's time for this slug club Christmas party. And Hermione has worked out that she's going to be going with Cormac McLaggen, who she tells Harriet she thought that would annoy Ron the most. Yeah. So kind of... I don't know what to think about that, Hermione. <laughs> Good for her. That's what I say about it. He's being a jerk. You might yeah, as well do it back to him. she's not much enjoyment out of it. No. She maybe should have went with someone like dumb and pretty instead of really obnoxious. Yeah, but that remember, that's not the point. The point is to annoy Ron. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Harry escapes the flock of girls by going with Luna. Luna's nice. Yes. It's quick to clarify, though. As a friend, Luna. (laughs) That's fine. She'd love to go as a friend. Yes. Um, you know, and then there's, like, awkward partiness. I think this is one of the best Luna lines ever, and I didn't even know it. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know who they're talking to and how Harry wants to be an or Slughorn. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh no. Didn't you know? There's like and it's some weird name. But it's like this is part of the aura conspiracy. They're working to bring down the ministry from within using a combination of dark magic and gum disease. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine JK like <laughs> writing that line like let me think give me something random and weird and like chuckling to herself as she's like gum disease yes <laughs> it is good Harry also appreciates yeah. it since it was worth bringing Luna just for that uh, but then at the party Draco is dragged in by Filch who assumes that he is trying to sneak into the party uninvited what i mean that's what he says he was doing sir that's what he says he was doing not what he was doing sneaking around yes so this i mean they buy his excuse but then snape corners draco and of course harry follows because that's what harry does have you ever been inspired to follow someone the way that harry follows people He's a nosy little person. Well, maybe if I had an invisibility cloak, I would. It's true. That does enable a lot of following. Yes. Maybe then I would become nosier. And so there's a lot of talking around what's going on in this conversation he overhears. Mm -hmm. But we do hear the words that Snape has made an unbreakable vow. Yes. I think that gets unpacked for us in our next chapters. Yeah. Oh, does it? Because Harry has to re- relay this tale to prove to 
Ron and Hermione that his suspicions are right. Because he doesn't know what an unbreakable vow entails. Mm-hmm. And Draco is not interested in his help. Snape is trying to get his plan out of him. He can help. You're being pretty stupid. You need my help. Draco, not interested in help. Yeah, and is this just pridefulness? But he's not... I mean, I guess. Although, obviously, it's bothering him, right? Because he's not looking well. It's not going great. But I guess he still has confidence? Or is faking yeah, it? Yeah, well, he's like, well, I have a plan. It's just it's taking longer than I thought. Yeah. And presumably, this is why he wasn't at the Quidditch match. Because he saw an opportunity when everyone was out of the yes. castle to be yes. doing some stuff. Yeah, and then there's, like, they talked about the Katie Bell thing and other foolish plans. And... Yes, they do, there's, they do specifically mention Katie, so there's no ambiguity about they that. I thought he tried to deny it somehow. <laughs> I don't think so. I thought he said I didn't have anything to do with it. What? Yeah. Open your book. It's like at the very end. Uh, now we need to clarify this. Fine. I'd also like to point out that we skipped Halloween because it's Christmas. Oh, you're right. We did skip Halloween. Hmm. We could have paired something up with Halloween, I feel like. Dumbledore could have given his lesson on Halloween. <laughs> Said no party for you, Harry. Oh, there's also this interesting bit of their converse- conversation about, like, because Snape was saying Malfoy, Malfoy was being dumb, like, tonight sneaking around and not having lookouts. He's like, what does it matter? Um, he's like, oh, Crab and Goyle would have been my lookouts if you hadn't put them in detention. And he put them in detention for failing mm-hmm. defense against the dark arts. It's like, well, what does that matter? It's like, it's part of the act. You have to know how to act. I am the expert actor. Look at me. He is the expert actor. That's true. Yes, I'm so right. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Cannot afford mistakes, Draco, because if you're expelled, I didn't have anything to do with it, all right? I hope you are telling the truth, because it was both clumsy and foolish. Already already you are suspected of having a hand in it. Who suspects me? said Malfoy, angrily. For the last time, I didn't do it, okay? That bell girl must have had an enemy no one knows about. Don't look at me like that. I know what you're doing. I'm not stupid, but it won't work. I can stop you. He's at least least denying it. For whatever reason. Huh. Well, and now I can't, now I believe him. Why would he deny it? But he totally if, had something to do with it. Didn't he? I... I can't remember who else it would have been. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but we were befuddled because Malfoy had detention, but we were both sure that he did it. 
Oh, that's right. But I was sure this was part He wasn't of... attention. That just seemed like a pretty good alibi. But, like, there's that... Eventually, Dumbledore tells us that he knows Malfoy is planning this. And I thought the necklace was part of it. Yes. And then there's also the, like, the potion that Slughorn has or something. The wine. Mm-hmm. That he was going to give to Dumbledore. Yeah. Those were all part of the plan. Somehow. We're obviously forgetting yes. some part, whether it's how Malfoy managed this or the fact that he didn't do it. Oh, yeah. He says he wants, he doesn't want Snape to steal his glory. Very dumb, Malfoy. Yeah, I think he has visions of, like, how this is going to be. Like, soon the Dark Lord is going to be the Dark Lord again out and in the open and i'm gonna be super special and important yeah and won't need to do all these other foolish things like school yes yes he's definitely looking past the the present into what he hopes is the future well i mean those are basically our chapters um a lot more stuff happened this time than this has been happening yeah. lately, which is nice. Um, what is our what are our I next knew chapters? You were ask that. Well, you know, my book is far away. By far away, I mean the next right. room. So it'll be chapters 16, 17, and 18. A very frosty Christmas. A okay. sluggish memory. Aha. Uh-huh. Birthday surprises. I know. Uh, whose birthday? I don't know. Huh? I don't know. That makes me think of the Lord of the Rings and it's my birthday <laughs> present. Is it Dumbledore's birthday? I don't, I don't ever recall <laughs> celebrating Dumbledore's birthday. So we're at least going to get our assignment for Slughorn. Yes. To get the memory from Slughorn. Do you have any other projections? Um, well, I, won't we have like, more Tonks and Lupin. Isn't that part of the frostiness of Christmas? Oh. Perhaps. I was wondering if Hermione was going to be there and that's what it was. But I think you're probably right. But why would Hermione be there? I want... I I don't remember if she is. I want to think she's not. But she always is. So I'm sure she will find an excuse to tell her parents. (laughs) (laughs) okay well well we'll see uh so join us next week and it will be episode 50 next week whoa uh and in the meantime you can follow us on twitter at weird sisters pod and if you'd like to rate and review us on itunes that would be great and we'll talk to you next week bye bye